Let's go. Here we go. Great Larry Fitzgerald joins us now. Let's go. Presented by Hertz. At Hertz, you can change the scenery without ever changing your standards. That's right. No matter where you are with Hertz, you'll always find exactly the right vehicle to make your let's go moment unforgettable. Visit Hertz.com to book today. Hertz. Let's go. Fitz, four are going and two have gone home. (laughs) So somebody's going someplace today. The teams that have advanced will make for an exciting championship weekend. Your assessment of what we saw, let's start with uh, what we saw most recently yesterday, the last game, uh, Dallas getting beaten by San Francisco. Well, Jim, I mean, it, it comes down in the playoffs to, to mistakes, right, and mitigating those mistakes. And Dak made two critical mistakes um, in that game that really hurt, his, really hurt his team. I mean, Dallas, the defense, did a great job, in my opinion. I think did the best – of any team against the 49ers this year, being able to manage all the weapons they had. Um, and, you know, in those those tight games, you need everybody. You need your best players playing at their best. And, and unfortunately, you know, Dak didn't play his best game. And losing Pollard, who is such a terrific athlete and gives that offense a, a, a special dimension when he's in the game, losing him to injury really, really took the one out of their sale as well. You know, it's rough to be America's team uh, because America's team now – 27 times they have now failed to make it to the NFC Championship game. If you go from 1996 uh, up until this season, uh, from 1970 to 1995, 14 times. 14 times they were in the NFC Championship game. And it's not very forgiving, even if you're a member of the team, because the team now is throwing Dak Prescott under the bus. Uh, On their social media page on Twitter, where they have 4.5 million followers, This is what the Dallas Cowboys said after the game. Dak Prescott gave away the ball twice in a narrow loss to the 49ers in a matchup with the Cowboys. Cowboys had a chance to win if they didn't generate self-inflicted wounds. I think that's an that's an accurate wow. That's an it's an it's an accurate statement. Obviously, you wouldn't expect that from the from the home team's handle, right? but it's it's not as if they they made that up. It's not as if it's fake tissues. It's not it's not fake news. You know, it's it's the truth. Um, and you know, sometimes the truth hurts, Jim. <laughs> you just don't expect that from you don't expect incoming fire. No, you don't. You don't. I mean, it, the fire's coming from everywhere. I mean, you even saw Governor Abbott getting into it yesterday uh, with with his tweet about him maybe trying out to be the Cowboys kicker next year. Said he could kick the ball better than Mara could. And uh, for those who don't know, uh, Governor Abbott uh, is in a wheelchair and paralyzed. Yeah, but, I mean, like you said, Jim, there's a lot of pressure. Was well, he going to kick it with his head? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think I think it's just funny that uh, that even, even the governor of the state of Texas is getting in on it. Why are you being so shy, Larry? You're backing away. You, you don't you don't want to take on Governor Abbott. You don't want to take on on the Cowboys. The Cowboys should not release a statement like that, and Governor Abbott should know better. You don't it's incite the, the folks truth, that yeah. are your own. That's not that's not Jim. that's not that's not good public discourse. Jamar has been terrible throughout the course of these playoffs. I mean, completely terrible. Um, you know, missed an extra point again on Sunday. You know, so. Like, I mean, it's the truth. I mean, he hasn't done a good job. And when you don't do a good job on a, on a professional level, I mean, you you open yourself up to criticism. And I think the criticism is deserving. Um, should it be coming from the team's handle? That's that's, you know, subjective. Right. But it's not it's not as if they lied. Um, you know, I would say if you're looking for a culprit, 
you know, for for Dallas not having more success in that game. I mean, you don't have to look any further than than Dak and the decisions that he made in terms of throwing the football. Um, and if you take those two interceptions back, you know, that that game could look a lot different. If I were Mr. Marr, I might call Cody Parkey because he has some experience in dealing with it. Uh. <laughs> oh, they, they, they could commiserate together. <laughs> On the other side, uh, you have Brock Purdy, who's now 7-0, 2-0 in the playoffs. And uh, this young man was drafted last, as everybody knows. And uh, he's undefeated as he heads into the NFC Championship game. And he didn't make any mistakes. Yeah, I mean, you know what, Jim? He he looked like he was his poise the whole game. I mean, from the times he needed to tuck the ball and run to not turn the football over to just managing the offense, right? They didn't have their best yesterday, right? They they weren't clicking on all cylinders like we had seen them in previous weeks, but he didn't do anything to hurt his team. He saw his defense was playing amazing, um, and, and he made the throws. He made a couple of throws on crossing routes and um, obviously, George Kittle made the spectacular play up the, the seam, bobbling the ball, avoiding the, the big tackle. Um, so uh, he made the plays that he needed to make, um, and, and that's what it, that's what it comes down to, Jim. You know, I want to go back to this for just a second. You know, the guy who who shares billing on this show, it's his show. Let's go with Tom Brady. Said something really interesting about uh, five weeks ago, and he's lived his life and his career like that. When we win, you point at the others as the reason as to why. And then when you lose, you point at yourself. You don't point at your teammates. The Cowboys are pointing at their teammates. And the only one that stood up who's really been a man right here, a man to really admire, uh, has been Dak Prescott. He said it's on him. He takes the blame. And this is a role model as a human being and as a person, unfortunately, his performance on the field isn't equal to the human being that he is. At least it hasn't been up until now. But uh, I agree with Tom, and I like that approach. And I don't like what the Cowboys are doing. This, 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 this is not. This is not appealing. This is. This is not what a team is. Yeah, I I, I agree with that statement, Jim, and I agree with our our good friend Tom. And you know, like when when there's credit being heaped, I mean, it's it's a, there's enough people that can receive it, right? It doesn't have to always come down on one person. Um, and I do appreciate the fact that Dak stood up and and take taking ownership for you know, you know, the poor play. And he's a guy who's going to get back to to the drawing board. He, he overcame a you know a, a vicious thumb injury this year, um, you know. And, and there's no telling you know if that thumb you know affected him. You know, I know he's, he threw more interceptions than anybody in the league this year, even though he didn't play in uh, you know the full slate of games. So you can't tell me that that thumb didn't have some effect on the accuracy and the velocity of his throws. And um, you know, but I, I like that he's not making any excuses. He he stood up there. He took the heat. He took the fire. Still taking it, and um, that's not gonna point the finger. And I I really do admire that about Dak. And you said Mike McCarthy at some point would strike again, and he did with that clock management. It it, it took his team thirty five to forty seconds to punt the ball with two and a, two minutes and fifty seconds left. I mean, really, come on, you, you can't figure this out. Uh, you got all these assistants, and you've got a head coach, and he's, it's just one blunder after another. And Jerry Jones supports him today, says he's staying. Uh, seems to me that uh, Sean Payton, uh, the best coach available, one of the best coaches uh, in professional football for a long time, they don't want him. They'd rather have this mismanagement going on. I don't get it. 
Well, we, we know Jerry doesn't want any competition. You know, when, when credit's being um, passed around, he wants to he wants to he wants it for himself most of the time. Um, and, you know, I don't know if Sean Payton wants somebody breathing down his throat either. Um, he's used to, you know, having New Orleans where he general manager, president, head coach, you know, cap manager. He kind of wore every single hat that that one could wear. Obviously, that wouldn't happen if he went to the Cowboys. Um, and I just don't know in Sean Payton's position if that's something that he he would want to deal with. You know, after having, you know, all all the say and how your team is put together, structured, um, that's something that he would want to he would want to relinquish. I mean, that's that's pretty tough, you know, for him to do that. Would the Cowboys have beaten the 49ers if they had Sean Payton? Sean Payton didn't throw any interceptions, um, and wouldn't have thrown any interceptions <laughs> even if he was coaching. If he was coaching the game, it comes down to the players, right? And and what they're coached to do, you know, the, you know what they're able to execute, you know. But the coaches, once the player walks on the field, those players are only doing what they've been coached to do, right? Um, and so, you know, the real question to me is: Would Sean Payton have had that team better prepared to play? Um, would they have done the things necessary? Um, you know, to, to advance, you know, when they caused that fumble, when McLeod fumbled that ball on, on the punt return, you know, not scoring a touchdown there, you know, was, you know, that was a pivotal point. That was a huge, huge opportunity for them to be able to take control of that game. And, you know, the league knows everybody that's watched Sean Payton coach, you know, through his entirety as a coach, you know, knows he's one of the most sophisticated play callers in the game. And, you know, I, I think he's, you know, him and Kyle Shanahan when, when they were coaching, um, two best in the business, along with Andy Reid. Well, I'm personally very fond of Jerry Jones and his family. I, I'd like to see him win one more time. Uh, as know, as I am I. I love, I love Mr. Jones. He's been wonderful to me. I would, yep, I would, I, I would, uh, I love them both. Yeah. They're, they're great. And, and Jerry's been great for professional football, uh, with what he's been able to accomplish. And, uh, I know this is frustrating for him and for his family and for the Cowboy fans, but some of these decisions that you watch uh, Coach McCarthy make, and it's not personal. I have nothing against him, uh, but it just goes on all the time. And he didn't throw the interceptions, you're correct, um, but it's, 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 it's just like you're waiting for him to screw up, and seemingly yeah. every year something happens that he does. Yeah, I yeah, I mean Jim, I mean you go back in all of his years in Green Bay and in in the 3 years he's been in Dallas, I mean you, I I have to agree with you. Um but you know this is one thing that people are not even taking into consideration. The way the Cowboys look right now, I think would be drastically different. I don't think Dan Quinn will be back. I think he will have um an opportunity to be a head coach again and I think Kellen Moore there's a there's a good possibility he's not he's not back. Um cuz I'm pretty sure he'll be covered it as well this offseason. So I, I think the dynamics of the coaching staff um, and what, they, what they've what they had, um, you know, it can look different, Jim. Jim Gray with Larry Fitzgerald right here on Let's Go. Our program is brought to you by Bank of America. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive, you just can't stop banking on or off the field. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash can't stop banking. What would you like the power to do? Member FDIC. Larry, let's turn our attention to uh, the other half of the NFC, uh, and we saw utter domination. Utter domination. Philadelphia Eagles trounced uh, the New York Giants. 
people were asking if Jalen Hurts healthy. Is is he as good as he looked early in the season? And I think he answered a lot of questions, Jim. This this young man was poised for the moment, Jim. It, 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 at no point did it look like it was too big for him. I mean, the throws he made, how confident he was, the way he ran the football, he, he just controlled the game in his entirety. And, you know, to see a young man in only his second playoff appearance be able to go out there so poised and – I, it was it was fun to watch, Jim. It was it was a lot of fun to watch, and they they beat you on the ground. They can beat you in the air, and when that defense gets when that team gets a lead, and those defensive uh, those defensive linemen have the chances to rush the passer. I mean, <laughs> Jim, they get after the quarterback, man. They make it uncomfortable from you for you back there in that pocket, make you one dimensional, and yeah. They go. I, it's gonna be fun. I can't wait to that game next week, Jim and Philly, man. That 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 forty nine ers Philly game got me excited. I can't wait to watch it, Jim. I can't wait. And Coach Seriani, uh, he said that Hertz is MJ, Michael Jordan. That may yeah, be a little bit early yeah, to, uh, hey, to, hey, to make that not, comparison. Let's not, let's not take it too far, Jim. Let's not take it too far. This is first playoff win. Let's just let's just slow it down. Let's pump the brakes a little bit, Jim. Let's pump the brakes with the Michael Jordan comparisons. Was he fantastic? Yes, absolutely. That's, there's nobody can debate that, but we're talking about the GOAT, though, Jim. We're talking about that guy. We're talking about Black Jesus. You know, we can't, we can't, we, we can't, we can't do that, Jim. We can't compare him yet to that. And if you're going to do that, Coach, why, why not go to Dr. J? At least that's that's the local hero. Yeah, you know, yeah, I jump agree. right to Jordan. I, I know, I know. We can't. We Let's can't, take we the can't torch from Julius. <laughs> <laughs> so now, so now we face. Uh, you know, there's really not much to discuss about the Giants game and the Eagles. Uh, you know, it was just, it was just not even a contest. So now let's jump forward. Um, the game's going to be in Philadelphia. Um, San Francisco is, uh, you know been on this roll. Uh, the Eagles lost a little bit of their footing. That's because Hertz was out and uh, he wasn't uh, uh, able to play. And so they lost those few games and, and now they kind of get back on stride after the week off. Uh, this sets up some really interesting matchups, doesn't it? Particularly the San Francisco defense against this very strong and potent uh, Eagle offense. How do you how do you see this? Because it's always been the mantra that defense wins championships, but I, I don't know that this group can be stopped. Uh, I don't I don't know, Jim. Uh, I know you're excited about that side. I'm I'm excited about the matchup on the other side. I, I think Philadelphia and, and their defense, you know, matches up really really well with the quality of defense that the 49ers possess. I, I think in terms of pass rushing, Philadelphia does a better job of pass rushing. Um, I think their cornerbacks in Philadelphia are are better man-to-man corners. This gives their safeties the ability to kind of roam a little bit more free. They can bring more pressure because they feel like they, those guys can defend, you know, in one-on-one matchups much more efficiently. Um, I, Jim, this I think this is going to be a battle of defense. You talked about it. Defenses do win championships. And I, I think the strong suit on both of these teams are their defenses. And you know, the 49ers bring a plethora of weapons, but they also have a really young and inexperienced quarterback playing against a very, very, very fast and opportunistic defense in, a, in the most hostile environment in, in all the sports. There's no place harder to play than in Philadelphia. The things you hear, the, the beer cans that are thrown at your bus, the fire alarms pulled in the hotel, all of the antics that the Philadelphia folks do to give their team a strategic advantage are going to be in play this week. And 
I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I know Kyle Shanahan will have a great game plan in place, but like I, I don't know if you can find two more evenly matched football teams on 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 both sides of the football being coached at a very high level. And you know, this is going to be a close game, Jim. I mean, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a you know, I would say a three point game if anything. Jim Gray with Larry Fitzgerald. Our program is brought to you by Morton's The Steakhouse. Tender and flavorful in every bite, Morton's The Steakhouse has mastered the art of a perfectly cooked USDA prime steak. Visit mortons.com to reserve at any of the more than 65 worldwide locations. There's a table waiting just for you. Visit Morton's The Steakhouse. Larry, San Francisco only scored 19 points, even with all of those weapons, and 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 the Dallas defense did quite well. Dallas defense played good enough to win the game for them. In fact, stopped several scoring opportunities uh, after uh, Dak turned the ball over. They do have a lot of weapons, but we kind of saw, I don't want to say any chinks, but we kind of saw what Purdy does when he's pressured, and 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 he had to throw the ball away several times. He never lost his poise. Never lost his composure, but it wasn't so easy for him to sit back there, and Philadelphia probably make it even a little harder. I agree, Jim. Philadelphia will for sure make it a little bit more difficult because they they have more pass rushers. I know the Cowboys, um, they have Lawrence and they have uh, Parsons, who are tremendous edge rushers, but the Philadelphia Eagles can bring interior pressure as well with guys like Fletcher Cox um, and Brandon Graham and Hassan Reddick and so many other terrific uh, pass rushers. So I think they, in terms of what they can do from their pass rushing scheme and personnel, can present a lot of challenges. But I, I know Kyle Shanahan will have those guys prepared, uh, you know, from Christian McCaffrey to Brandon Ayuk to, to Debo Samuel. He'll continue to to use motions and shifts and things just to confuse them. And they'll, they'll find their matchups. They'll find their footing. And um, I don't think this stage would be too big for Brock Purdy. Um, you know, I don't know if, he can play well enough for them to win, but I don't think when you look back at the tape, you'll say this game was lost because Brock Purdy didn't do it well enough, right? I I think he's skilled enough to go out there and help them, you know, make this game, you know, very very close and competitive. Is he close enough? Is he good enough to play dynamic enough to be able to get them out of there with a victory? That's to be determined. Well, the Eagles have seventy five sacks. It's the most uh, in a season since the Bears uh, in nineteen eighty five. Anytime your defense can be compared to arguably the greatest defense of all time in any statistical category, you got to you got to chalk that up as a very successful campaign. And I mean, you can't underscore how successful they have been, you know, putting quarterbacks under duress all season long. Well, everybody's playing for that ring. Everybody's playing for that jewelry. I'm Jim Gray, along with Larry Fitzgerald. And our program is brought to you by K Jewelers now through January 30th. Shop the big bridal sale at K and save on engagement, wedding and anniversary rings. Exclusions apply. Visit K.com or visit your K store for details and celebrate every kiss with K. Getting sized up for that Hall of Fame ring uh, fits by, by, by K Jewelers. It's, it's coming here pretty soon for you. Jim, you can't, you can't count your chicks before they hatch, man. I'm just taking it one day at a time and, uh, some great players that were nominated this year um, as finalists, and I'm, I'm excited uh, in a couple of weeks in Arizona to see who the, the lucky guys who will get their names called. That's uh, it's always a very exciting time of the year. Speaking of jewelry, and we do speak of jewelry on this show, what was what has Jerry Rice been wearing the past couple of weeks? My goodness gracious, that's a that's some kind of that's some kind of uh, helmet he's wearing. 
I know, Jim. I, I don't know. He's he he love he loves he loves being in the mix, doesn't he? He love he love loves putting on the show. Nothing nothing's changed. I mean, he did it on the field. Now we're doing it in the stands. You know, he he loves it. And, and Kittle's picked up the spike and ran the ball over to Jerry Rice. <laughs> he still love, is in the mix. Yeah, I, I I love I love the way George Kittle plays the game of football, Jim. He plays it with this like such a passion. I mean. He 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 reminds me like kids that are playing pop water football. Like you you could tell this dude is absolutely infatuated with the game that he loves so much. Like he 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 just it's just oozing out of him his excitement. Um and you know getting Jerry Rice in there, getting that getting that crowd pumped up, man. I I, I loved it. The energy in that building like it was rocking yesterday. You think 49er fans are going to be able to buy any tickets off Eagle fans? Uh, the 49er fans are pretty pretty proficient at at, at invading stadiums. Uh, Philadelphia, they may have met their match. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, the 49ers faithful. They they travel well. They've been, they've had a lot of success, you know, for a long period of time, and they have a lot of capital in the Bay Area too. So finding tickets um, will 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 be the hardest thing. Acquiring them, I don't think, will be that difficult. All right, stay with us. We've got lots more to come. We're going to review the AFC Championship game and what went on this weekend. Jim Gray, Larry Fitzgerald, right here on Sirius XM. Stay with us on Let's Go. Hey, it's Lindsay Rhodes, host of the NFL Roadshow, a SiriusXM podcast. Working our way towards Super Bowl 57 with the kind of analysis you won't find anywhere else. We go beyond the headlines and try to get to what's really going on in the NFL. On Mondays, we react to the weekend's games. Who were the difference makers? Which were the moments we'll never forget? Then on Wednesdays, we look ahead to the next round of games, where they'll be decided, and what you should be looking for. The NFL Roadshow is available on the SXM app with all of our trials and popular plans or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Let's Go. I'm Jim Gray, along with Larry Fitzgerald. Our program is brought to you by USAA. USAA was started in 1922 by a group of soldiers who made a promise to always take care of their own. And after 100 years, USAA is still serving the military and their families. Find out more at USAA.com slash 100. USAA! Larry, let's turn our attention to the AFC, uh, the game on Saturday. Uh, Patrick Mahomes really just toughed it out and uh, played um, in a game, left the field momentarily. Andy Reid perhaps has one of his greatest drives in his history of coaching, not only with the Chiefs, but uh, back in his days with the Eagles as well, as they take the ball 98 yards and score while Patrick's on the bench being attended to. Uh, Mahomes does come back into the game, uh, finishes up, and now he'll have to deal all week with a high ankle sprain. Seems improbable that he won't play, but you've had that injury. Uh, tell us about it. Well, Jim, it's it's not easy, and it, and you know people might disagree with me when I say this, but playing quarterback might be the only position that you really can play with it, right? Because um, at receiver, I mean, I I couldn't plant, I couldn't separate, I couldn't be able to make those explosive movements. You know, if you put him in a shotgun, he can take his drop and get the ball out of his hands. Obviously, he won't be nearly as effective as a as a runner, um, so that that would hurt his mobility, but. You know, being able to just get back and be able to throw. His arm strength is so bad, so strong. He doesn't really have to plant on the foot, you know, for him to be able to make the throws that he makes. Um, but, you know, you're playing running back or you're playing defensive back or you're playing left tackle where you have to hunker down when somebody's bull rushing you. Like, you just don't have the ability um, in all likelihood to be able to play with that high ankle. So if it happens to anybody on the team, you know, the one person that I think has the best 
opportunity to perform um, is the quarterback position. How debilitating is it just from a it's, physical standpoint? It's, first of all, it's excruciatingly painful. Um, it, it's just very, very tender, tender even to the touch when you when you when you touch it. Um, but, you know, just even walking straight and kind of getting on your toes is, is bothersome. And, you know, I know he's going to have to have it heavily wrapped in, in all likelihood. He's, he's going to have to have some, you know, some pain meds to be able to deal with the pain, you know. And, and then also you have to take in consideration, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals all know that ankles bother them. So, I mean, they're going to be hitting them and trying to get to him and, and like not in a malicious way, but you do know if he's not on the field, your chances of advancing to the Super Bowl are significantly higher. Um, and so like all of those things you have to take in consideration, the way Andy Reid calls his plays, you know, you're not going to be in seven step drops, deep play, play action type system because you don't want to have him having to do those, those deep drops and put him in a position where people can blitz him and, and, and get shots on him. So like psyche and the, the way you process the game plan is different. I mean, so there's a lot that you have to take in consideration. And, and we saw in the Super Bowl uh, against Tampa Bay uh, that Brady and the Buccaneers won very handily. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had a bad toe, mm -hmm. and it affected him. It um, did. That pass rush affected him Might not him have more, been though. the difference in the game, but it affected his performance. Yeah, that pass rush might have affected his performance a little bit too. They, they, they were getting after him. They were getting after him. His mobility was hampered. Yes. So, so he knows what it's like to have his mobility hampered uh, in a big game. Uh, might sound crazy, but does that kind of help him now to prepare because he knows what he's facing and having had that experience? No, not a, not in any least bit. It's not going to help him. You know what makes Mahomes so special? Help him is the wrong word. Will he know how to deal with it better, knowing that he's that he's not going to be one hundred percent? No, I think it's it's better kind of having a week to prepare and understanding what you're dealing with and what what you know you can do as opposed to what happened in the game and you adjusting on the fly. But I, I don't think it's going to be – it's not going to make him a better player um, by sitting in the pocket. You know, what makes him great is his ability to scramble around, move around, you know, keep his eyes downfield and find guys late in the scramble drills um, and make throws that nobody else can make in the league. I think that's when he's playing at his best, when he's being the magician that we all have – come to know and love, uh, you know, when he's going to be sitting back there in that pocket, the ball's going to be coming out early. It's going to be coming out with velocity, um, but I don't think it's going to make him better. Better was the wrong word. When a player knows that they're hampered in a certain area, they compensate. You and yeah. if you know you're going to have to compensate, uh, can that somehow enable you to overcome that injury more as opposed to what you just said, you know, it happens midway in the third quarter. Yeah, I, I, or I don't. Second quarter. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think so, Jim. Um, not not with that particular injury. You know, if it's a, you know, a thigh contusion or something like that, where you know you can get a shot for it, and you know it's not going to do any more damage. You know, those are, or if you you know separated your non-throwing shoulder, right? Um, it's not affecting your throw. It's more so managing pain. That's different with the high ankle. The mobility is just not there. You just you can't you can't push off. You can't do the explosive movements. And you know when the pass rusher stepping up there, you know step up into the pocket, you know like he does so well. Like that's that's gonna be very limited, and um, that's gonna hurt them. How much does an injection help with this? And, and what does it do? Significantly, um, it it helps it helps a lot. You know because 
you just you try to manage the pain. You understand that mobility is not there, but if you don't feel the pain, you can do a lot more. But you also can't feel the pain, so you might push it a little bit more, and it might make the injury worse than what it was, or you know, open you up to something else that could be, um, you know, going wrong. So I miss a double-edged sword. You know, I've I've gotten you know injections before when things have bothered me. You know, it's not something I would recommend to everybody, um, but. You know, you're not in the AFC playoff championship picture every year. And, you know, these opportunities don't come around every day. And, you know, this is what these great athletes, this is what they aspire to, to be in the biggest games and the biggest moments. And sometimes it takes it takes sacrifice. And um, it's just it's the ugly part of sports, Jim. You ever take an injection before this show? I have never taken an injection before this show, but I'm sure you have. <laughs> it is painful being with you yes so i try and numb it i do try and numb it before we before we yeah. get going yeah i've, I've had root canals that are more you, you, had, the real was root. right out there I, the real was right out there and you didn't take the bait no i wasn't going to i wasn't going to snake snake told me not as much more more material less joking snake snake commented on that now now all of a sudden we we snake is going to be the the equilibrium of to what's good and what's bad and what's fun and what's not i mean he always is he always has been judge juror and executioner snake hagan jim gray along with larry fitzgerald and it's easy to get excited about the game we got two great ones coming up this weekend you love just hearing the sound of the whistle or smelling the game day concessions from your seat it's the stuff that reminds me of the thrill of the game and you know that amex is going to be with you every step of the way because when you're with amex it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express, don't live life without it. And I want to pass along my congratulations to everybody at American Express, Steve Squarey, and the entire team uh, from Amex on a terrific tournament that was put on uh, in Palm Springs, California, out in the desert uh, at La Quinta on the three courses. And uh, the winner, uh, John Rahm, uh, winning back-to-back tournaments. And uh, he's on fire, Larry, but... Uh, Amex did just a terrific job, the American Express tournament, and uh, it was fun to participate in it. And it was just a tremendous tournament, and uh, the folks out there got treated to some great golf. Not by me, uh, but by all of those pros. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it is really a, a flagship event, and, you know, it's it's really unique, you know, for amateurs to be able to go out there and play three different players on three different courses, um, playing with the best players in the world, something that's really, really unique. You know, there's just not many times you can do that. And, you know, I, I think Amex has really elevated that that tournament. Um, they've taken it and, and really um, got some of the, the best players to start coming back to it and playing it. And, and you, you can't ask for a, a more likable guy. John Rahm's playing, you know, wonderful right now, a fellow Whisper Rock member and somebody who I've played a lot of golf with. Um, and I told him in text message yesterday, I said, to calm down a little bit. This is a Ryder Cup year. We don't need you getting crazy. You know, we need you to just to relax a little bit and, you know, I'd love to see you get another major, but let's not let's not get too crazy this summer, though. <laughs> we we had dinner on New Year's Eve with uh, him and his wife and children uh, out at McKenna, and just a, just a, a terrific guy. What a great spirit, and uh, it was fun to see him win. Yeah, it, it is fun to see him win, and um, you know, it's it's funny. You know, he's won four of the last six tournaments, and still, you know, his his world ranking is not has not moved up much. You know, it's a it's a very interesting system. I, I don't quite understand. The numbers behind it and how it works but you would think you know four out of six 
on that tour would elevate you, you know, in the conversation if you're number one player in the world. I don't know. What do you think? He should be number one. What's he ranked? Four I don't five, understand that either. I don't follow that. I don't understand that. But again, congratulations to everybody at American Express. Let's now turn our attention to uh, Joe Burrow uh, because uh, Joe Burrow uh, was just sensational uh, in the game against Buffalo. And, um, you know, he's having fun and he's confident. And after the game, you know, he's uh, telling the league, you you know, they better provide refunds for the game that was going to take place uh, between Buffalo and Kansas City and Atlanta. He's got a swagger uh, that's that's really entertaining. And it's not to the point where you feel like he's condescending and arrogant, but it's kind of a refreshing kind of fun thing, isn't it? I I enjoy it. I enjoy it. And, you know, he kind of embodies – Cincinnati as a city a lot you know it's it's the the blue collar confident hard-working person who's not afraid to let you know that yeah I've worked hard and I come from humble beginnings but you know I've earned this, this station in life and I'm an embrace I'm gonna embrace it right and that's kind of what you see and it trickles down to all of his teammates you know from the defensive side of the ball um, to his fellow offensive teammates um, like they play with a lot of passion a lot of character, a lot of confidence. And, you know, that bodes well, you know, in these type of environments. Like, I, there's nothing in my mind that doesn't tell me that that team does not believe wholeheartedly they can go to Kansas City and win. Like, that nothing, nothing, nothing would scare them. Like, they feel like they're the better football team. And, you know, they're just chomping at the bit to get there and, 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 and put it between the lines again. So I, I really like what Joe Burrow brings. Um, you know, he's he's really changed the fortune of that organization for a very, very long time. And, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals have the luxury of giving him about three hundred million dollars this offseason um, <laughs> if they want to continue to have his services. <laughs> you know. He's easy, at least for me, to root for. I mm-hmm. find him really appealing and yeah. I think it's fun and, and sports is supposed to be fun. And, you know, he's twirling, throwing the pass in, in, in pregame, and, and the weather's not bothering him. And, you know, he's, he's, he's not afraid to say things with, 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 without being rude, uh, mm-hmm. but letting you know that he has an opinion and, and, and his feelings. And, and, and his teammates, they obviously just love him. Um, let me ask you a question, though, about, uh, about this catch in the end zone. What is going on here anymore? I mean, Jamar Chase, I mean, you know, the ball breaks the plane of the goal line and is fumbled, and that's a touchdown. This guy has complete possession after he breaks the plane of the goal line in the back of the end zone and doesn't survive the ground, or they say he doesn't. Survive. It's all a bunch of horse nonsense. People don't even know what it catches anymore. And the NFL officials and the people, these are earnest people. They're trying to do their best, but this rule is just moronic. It's past moronic. Yeah. I mean, when I was watching it, Jim, I, I mean, I, I watched it from every single vantage point, every position, every camera angle, and I, I, I quite frankly don't know what they were, what they were looking. I thought for a second they might have been watching some different views than I, and maybe even I was seeing at home because what I was seeing, like, it was indisputable evidence that that was a, that was a reception in the touchdown, and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I don't even know what to say, Jim. It, it, it was I was dumbfounded when I when I watched it multiple times. So what's it going to take to get this right? I, I remember Mike Mike Holmgren many years ago with the Tuck Rule said, 
if it looks like a fumble to the 50 people who are drunk in a bar, it's a fumble. Okay? And then all these years later, they do away with the tuck rule. Instead of just admitting that it was wrong and never should have occurred, and we probably might not know Tom Brady in the sense that we know him. Who knows what happens to him if that doesn't happen? We've kidded about it a lot on the air. And he did a, a terrific 30 for 30 with uh, Charles Woodson. Uh, he, he knows what that was. And now everybody watching a TV every week knows that these are catches. Mm-hmm. And then they're all not catches. Mm-hmm. You just chip away at the credibility of the very sport that you govern when you do this. Howard Cosell, I remember Howard Cosell. I'm talking a lot here, but I remember Howard Cosell when he was doing the Randall Tex Cobb um, Larry Holmes fight. And he was aggravated because Randall Tex Cobb was getting the heck beat out of him. And in about the seventh or eighth round, he says, Does this referee recognize he's an advertisement for the abolition of the very sport in which he governs this evening? That's what the NFL officials are doing when they make calls like this. I think there's a there's some there's an appeal to to the fact that there's this human element and sometimes there's mistakes you know that are that are made that um that people like us can talk about on, on Monday we can go back and unlike last year's situation when um Las Vegas played against Cincinnati and that debacle this this game you know it wasn't close enough for that for that play to really make a difference in the game um, you know, I think Cincinnati was, you know, noticeably the better football team yesterday. But, you know, you don't want this to to happen again in the NFC or AFC championships and obviously not in the Super Bowl on the world's largest stage. What's the solution here? We've got videotape, digital. Let the fan let the fans let the fans make the call at home, Jim. Let the fans. <laughs> well then it, you're gonna to have a fifty fifty on everyone. <laughs> yeah, they should put a barcode on the TV. Everybody snaps a photo and you go. <laughs> Was it a catch or wasn't it a catch? And they put it up on the screen and let the fans decide on the on the craziness. Joe. <laughs> but don't you don't you don't you often wonder what it is that that they see that all the fans don't see? Yes, I I wonder that all the time. I, I wonder I wonder that all the time. Like yesterday, the Cowboys catch. You know, when the tight end caught the ball, they they ruled that it was not a catch. But like, what when does a catch become a catch? Right, like. It it touched his hands. His right foot was still on the ground. In my and from from my vantage point, but soon as he brought the ball away, his foot came up. The left foot went down, and the right foot went out of bounds again. So, like, when 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 does a catch actually become a catch? Like, it hits your hands. As soon as it hits right. your hand, does that mean it's the catch, or is it when it's being brought to the tuck? Is that when the catch? Like when it's possessed? When, yeah. When, Who knows when is, anymore? When is it actually possessed? On a on a play like that, so I mean, there's a lot of calls that are subjective. I mean, in my opinion, like that was a 50-50 call to me. You know, it wasn't it wasn't enough to indicate that it should have been over overturned. But like that's that's my perspective. Like you might have saw it differently, Snake might have saw it differently, TB might have saw it differently. You know, like so, it, it's really subjective on some of these plays. I agree with the subjectivity. That 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 one. I, I would have ruled that a catch. I agree. Which one? You talking about the? You talking about Jamar I Chase? I think they were both catches. They were I both catches too. to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. They're both catches, but I can understand. And it was a little lackadaisical by the by by the cowboy. You know, just put your other foot down. But he mm-hmm. obviously thought that he had possessed it because it was not a hard. He took a long step. 
Yeah. It, it, that was that you know, that was that was it, with the intention of getting out of bounds because the play before the receiver took a step back. Yeah. And the clock winds. Mhm. Mhm. So I understand the intent and sometimes maybe the referee should should officiate on intent too. Well that's that's tough to that's tough at the moment to really be able to understand what the, what somebody's intent is, Jim. That's that's a that's another layer of sophistication that I do not want these referees to have to deal with. They already have a very challenging job as is. Like now you're talking about the intent of it. Like, you know, so yes, yesterday in that San Francisco How about game, the roughing the passer there, call there was, there was at, down at the bottom of the helmet. feet? There was a helmet-to-helmet right. contact that Fred Warner hit the guy. They threw a flag, and then they picked it up. You know, like, like are we – now we're going on – on now we're going on, you know, did he have any intent to hit him with his head versus he hit him in the head? Like, what? I mean, it's, it's too much to take into consideration. But, like, for example, on that call, when, when does the coach have to call for the replay? Because there, we now get, you know, told that – it's being one of those fast track replays or whatever it's called that they're doing it. And they're talking to the official in his ear out of New York. So now you've taken the strategy out of the coach having to do it mm -hmm. because sometimes it's being done by New York anyway. Yeah. This whole thing needs to be really examined, re-examined, look at it every year. And they just keep doing the same stuff. But, but not only that, it's, um, it needs to be, it needs to be streamlined too, Jim, because it takes far too much time. Like it's football in actual football time, you know, sitting around players, the fans. I mean, we, we're all watching the game because we want to see the action. And, you know, this is taking 10, 10, 15 minutes sometimes in real life time to be able to get these plays decided. And so not only does it need to be streamlined, but it needs to be expediated as well. Jim Gray with Larry Fitzgerald. Our program is brought to you by Brady Brand. Check it out at BradyBrand.com, including the brand new Brady pant. Go to BradyBrand.com to get comfortable now. Look good and feel even better. Brady Brand, let's go. If there's such a thing as America's team, it was Buffalo this season, uh, Larry. Uh, everybody has rallied around what happened to DeMar Hamlin. Uh, he showed up at the stadium yesterday just 20 days after that drastic injury and cardiac arrest on the field uh, was able to visit with his teammates and sit in the box, open the box up and was able to wave to all the fans and give the heart signal. But Buffalo has been through the mass shooting. Uh, they've had that tremendous storm and then another storm after that. Um, and then, and then of course, Hamlin. And so I think, you know, for a lot of fans around the country, the bills uh, uh, and were their adopted team this year. Uh, and, and they just couldn't quite, uh, play well enough these past several weeks and it caught up with him yesterday. Well, Jim, I mean, I, I agree. Um, you know, you watch the bills over the, say the last month or month and a half, they haven't played their best football. You know, they, they, they won because they're usually the better team, but you look at the, the playoff game against the dolphins the week before they didn't play well. And the dolphins are not as good of a team as Cincinnati. And so if you don't have your best stuff against teams that are really, really good in the playoffs, you, you're just simply not going to advance. And, um, you know, Josh needed to have one of those games that we've seen him have where he has the four touchdown games and 60 yards rushing and, and, and no egregious mistakes for them to be able to beat these high-quality teams. And he just didn't have that. Um, and then, you know, you look at the scene after the game with uh, with Stephon Diggs being agitated about, you know, his his play, his play 
you know, his number not being called often enough, him not being able to get enough touches. And, you know, you, you start seeing those things that kind of fester, you know, when things don't go as well as you would hope. But um, this is a young team, Jim, and they have a, a very bright future ahead of them. Like this is not going to be the last time we're talking about the Bills. But, um, you know, you, you have to be playing your best, you know, at, at this time of the season, Jim. There's just – this is not, I can't say it any more clear. Uh, you, you have to be playing on all cylinders. You have to be healthy. You have to, you know, have a couple balls bounce your way for you to be able to advance deep into this, this tournament. I, I like that Josh Allen just ignored Diggs. He didn't even look up. And neither, I don't think, uh, I think it was the assistant coach who was sitting there uh, with him. They didn't even look up. But, you know, what's your problem? Okay, again. Why is it now pointing fingers? And mm-hmm. it's a, a lot of times with these receivers, you know, whether it's Antonio Brown making a stink, um, you know, the list is long. Uh, no, hold on, Jim. Time out, time out, time out, time, time out. You know, I know a lot of receivers that didn't make a stink. Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones. Okay. Andre Johnson. Well, how about Terrell go- Owens? No, I'm just saying, but don't don't clump everybody into the same category, Jim. There's a lot of guys who didn't. Have you ever seen way. a running back go over and confront, confront? Have you seen a running back the go over and line? confront the quarterback? I've seen him confront the offensive line before. I, I asked, have you seen a running back go over and confront? What does a, what does a, what does a running back in a quarter? What does a quarterback have to do with the running game, Jim? Nothing. He's just literally handing the <laughs> I'm ball. I'm asking off. you. No, I, I'm saying, but that's not a, that's not a real question because the quarterback has nothing to do with the run, the success of a run game. He has nothing to do with it. Like the offensive line have all the success to do with the run game. Quarterback has everything to do with the success of a receiver. So, like that's a, a, a relationship that's a lot more volatile. That he would never have that with the with the running back. Mister Sensitivity. No, I'm just calling a spade a spade. I'm just saying it just that didn't that doesn't doesn't make sense though. You're not saying that some of these wide receivers are divas and they think it's all about yes, them all course, the time. Of course, but you you try to throw everybody in there, Jim. Like and that's well, not I'm everybody. Not throwing everybody. No, I'm not. I'm not taking the whole category. I'm saying it's usually a wide receiver in almost all instances that we see this kind of stuff go on. Yeah, I would. But that's I a would fact. Say, is that is, I, have I said anything that's not factual? No, no, that is factual. It usually is, but not all of them are created equally. I understand that. So right. let me let me withdraw the word all, which I don't think I said. That's all I was hoping for. That's, that's all I wanted. That's oh, wanted. okay. So you gave me what I was looking. You gave me what I was okay. looking for. Thank you, Jim. Thank so you what is it with me. some of these receivers that they think that that's the right and opportune time to be doing this? I have no idea, Jim. I never I never did that myself. Um, but I I know the frustration that you feel inside when you feel like you can have um, an impact on the game and you're not able to have the impact that you know you have. The same impact that Stephon Diggs has had throughout the course of his career. He wanted to have that impact on the biggest stage. So there's frustration that comes along with it. But I look at the stat sheet, you know, he had 10 targets, right? I mean, he it wasn't as if they weren't attempting to get the football to him. Cincinnati knew the ball needed to be in his hands too. And that's why they did made a consorted effort to make sure that he wasn't able to have his fingerprints on the game. And I think that's what guys don't, don't really get. And I used to always get it. Um, because I would know my number was being called, but the coverage would dictate where the football was going. You know, if they play me in a certain coverage, then I'm not going to get that ball. I just knew it pre-snap. I could tell, okay, that's not the ball's not coming to me. But it doesn't, it doesn't change the way I approach it. it doesn't change the way I, I feel. I just know that 
you know, if I'm being double teamed, there's other people that have to step up and, and make some plays for us to get going. And then when my when our opportunities do and I have a favorable matchup, then I got to take advantage of it. Just for the record, Snake agrees with me. No, he doesn't. Yes, he did. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> Larry, I'm going to get your prediction. We haven't done that in quite some time. So uh, let's uh, let's have you predict. First, the NFC. Who's going to win the championship next Sunday? I'm going to take the Philadelphia Eagles, Jim. And on the AFC side, I'm going with the Cincinnati Bengals. So we're going to have a Philadelphia-Cincinnati Super Bowl in Phoenix, in Glendale, Phoenix. Arizona. Yeah. Wow, and yeah. you're going to be the chairman. You're going to be leading the parade, as always, <laughs> as the head of the Super Bowl committee. Uh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited that we can host it, and I'm excited that, you know, whatever teams make it to, to Arizona, we want to make sure that we're great hosts and their, them, the teams, and their fans that are traveling have the very best time that they could possibly have. It's going to be a couple of great games. Uh, we'll check yeah. out your predictions. As always, Larry, it's been a fun show. It was a great weekend of football. Enjoy yourself out on the golf course this week. I know you got a lot of stuff to accomplish out there as uh, you prepare for the AT&T coming up, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. On on, uh, on the Super Bowl bye week, I get, I get to go play a little golf out there in Pebble Beach. I'm looking forward to it. We look forward to that, and we will talk to you next Monday night. Thank you, Jim. Have a great week. That's Larry Fitzgerald. He's our expert, along with Tom Brady. And any athlete will tell you, it helps to work with an expert for buying or refinancing a home. Your expert is an independent mortgage broker. Find one at findamortgagebroker.com. It's powered by the number one mortgage lender in America, United Wholesale Mortgage, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS, number 3038. It's licensed in all 50 states and the District of Columbia. Let's go. Presented by Hertz. Thanks to our terrific producer, Dave the Snake Hagen. Production assistance by Harris Fabishoff. And to our sponsors, USAA, Bank of America, American Express, K Jewelers, Hertz, United Wholesale Mortgage, Brady Brand, and Mastro's. Let's Go Podcast with Larry Fitzgerald was produced by 199 Productions and Scratchy Productions. Thanks so much for joining us. We will talk to you again next Monday right here on Sirius XM. Let's go. Sirius XM Podcasts.